you'll see me talk trash about the sidekick, sir. And I'm just not having it today. Not sit here and disparage. The, Yo, that was that was the funniest thing. No, we are not gonna sit here and disparage the oh, the the beauty, the functionality, <laughs> the out and out awesomeness that was the T-Mobile sidekick. While you were over there fumbling around. It was. T-Mobile hey, been being gimmicky their whole life. Hey, but you know what? They work. And that's the issue. Y'all's little janky blackberries, on the other hand. What's up? Bro, you know what? What's blackberries up? was the truth. What's up, congregation? Um, <laughs> once again. BBM. Shut BBM up, man. BBM. No, we, we, done, we done with your BBM messenger. <laughs> little whack. Yo, little BBM little whack. Truth. Little whack <laughs> Yahoo chat that y'all had. Man, come Yo, on. BBM was the congregation, truth. what's going on? It's your boy Rob. John back here. Stolen his his um, his infinite love for the BlackBerry QWERTY keyboard because he don't know how to treat a smartphone. Man, <laughs> he he over here breaking phones left and right, and mine on the other hand is looking quite pristine. Man, welcome. We have made episode. We're making episode number six, man. Episode number six. Uh, we're over the hump at this point. We're over the I hump, agree. and I think that uh, somebody should start sending me a check just for the fact that I got to sit in the room with you. And listen to you drink coffee and talk trash about things Good like luck. cell phones that you don't know nothing about because you chose to pick the worst of the worst and then just ride with them joints till you can't use them no more. Listen, good luck. Good luck with the check. Um, I, I think the check is It's a blessing to be in the room with me, sir. You ought to. Uh, Do you speak so? <laughs> you speak so so confidently. And I I don't know where you're getting this type yeah. of confidence from, sir. It's it's a blessing, man. Hey. So, here's here's what we're gonna do today. We have we literally sat here for about 15, 20 minutes because we've been dealing with a lot of stuff outside of the uh, the podcast. Of course, just because y'all hear us in this place doesn't necessarily mean that this is all we do. Like we just sitting around waiting uh, to drop the podcast for you guys. We have lives, um, and so we were kind of struggling with what we were gonna talk about today until the funeral happened, <laughs> and. Um, we're not going to go into it. We gave our respects to uh, the Queen of Soul. And I'm gonna, I'm comfortable leaving my respects where they are. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm good with that. However, a lot of things came up in the aftermath of it. And the hilarity that has come from not just black Twitter, but social media as a whole. The fact that memes were being dropped almost instantaneously at this funeral or from this funeral from the stills that people were taking is amazing the ingenuity of people in the social media age i can almost guarantee uh i, I can tell you why though i may not have a lot of hope for what's going to happen as far as communication and and socialness outside of social media i do know that comedy is in great hands as we move forward in life, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 the internet is undefeated, but specifically, black Twitter remains uh, the reigning champion. It's of the, the world. shadiest. It's the shadiest of places. On a thousand degree day, it is a a a balmy sixty three degrees in black Twitter. If something is going going I'm awry, to tell you. it is <laughs> it is fantastic. It is true. Um, but nah, today we we picked on pastors a little bit last week. We got to talking about you know cussing pastors and whether or not pastors can say the N word. Should, should that be an acceptable thing for them? And this week, 
it, it, it seems almost like it was tailor-made for us to talk about, being the fact that we are the church in the wild, that we continue our discussion regarding pastors, their behaviors, so on and so speak, so to speak. Um, per personally, I don't know how John wants to, how John is going to kick in on this. As a minister myself, I, I I'm kind of torn because as a as a minister, as the not necessarily the face of a church, but as someone that people look to associate me with a church and associate associate me with ministry, I think it's difficult to kind of you feel it almost stifling to be yourself mm -hmm. sometimes and there was something that happened at the funeral one miss ariana grande was invited to come perform where a lot of people were scratching their heads about that but we're not giving criticisms about the funeral at this time after she performed the uh host pastor the the church host uh pastor uh came up to embrace her and there's been all kind of speculation as to whether or not he did something inappropriate or not. And eventually it got to the point where he felt the need to issue a statement apologizing not only for the things that he said, but also for the mannerism, the things that were done, whether they were innocent or not. And that's where we kind of want to park uh, our preaching Porsche today. Shout out to my pastor for that particular um, wow. uh, alliteration. The preaching Porsche. Yeah, the preaching Porsche. Um, but that's I think that's a good place to kind of land. The behavior of pastors. We talked about the, the speech of pastors. Now we talk about the behavior of pastors, uh, both in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, and again, I think we could we could run uh we can run a marathon in the way that the conversation could really go. Uh, so I'm gonna let you start because I know I got a lot that I could really pull from this. Um I don't have a whole lot to say. Listen, uh, Bishop Ellis touched Ariana Grande inappropriately. Did he really? Um, yeah, he did. And, and uh, I think there's room for interpretation on whether or not he did it intentionally initially. If you watch closely, Ariana Grande exhibits all the outward signs of uncomfortability with her proximity um, to Bishop Ellis. He does not respond to her or her body language in a way that says, oh, I'm sorry, or I wasn't trying to make you uncomfortable. He almost, it seems like he almost kind of locks the locks the, the situation in. Um, and maybe he was doing that for the cameras. Either way, the placement of his hands um, was inappropriate. It was uh, visibly uncomfortable for her. And for my part, my thoughts on it are that he was, uh, he crossed a line with her. Now, I don't think the man is, a, is, is like some massive threat or criminal. Um... But he I apologized, do. by the way, for right, and I'm getting, I'm getting to that. Like, like I'm getting to his apology. But before we get to his apology, like we have to say outwardly, and and I think this is a problem sometimes. People we have to say outwardly, like he crossed the line. It was inappropriate. He was wrong. Oh, so I want to stop you real quick. 
I'm not disagreeing with you because if she took it as inappropriate and wrong, then it was inappropriate and wrong. Sure. We don't get the opportunity. People will have to understand that much. That you don't, if someone feels as though they've been victimized, they've been abused, nobody gets to tell that person that they weren't. Yeah. So, so that's absolutely, the, the, I think that's absolutely the case. I don't recall her really speaking out in that fashion. I've only seen bits and pieces. I haven't really seen a, cl- a full clip of what was going on. And what I was seeing were zoomed in, red circle, on the hand. you know, stuff yeah. like that on where his hand was. As a preacher, you know, as someone who has, you know, the benediction line, you know, you you shaking hands, hugging, kissing people as they're leaving. Everybody wants to wants to touch what have you, or as someone who has introduced or is celebrating someone who has just performed uh, in a setting. It's you, he's inviting her in because one, Ariana Grande was essentially the reverse of how black people feel in white settings you know what i'm saying black people feel and i've used this term a lot like a raisin in a bowl of rice in a lot of places and ariana grande was now a grain of rice in a sea of chocolate chips <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh and inside this church so maybe she doesn't have she didn't have an understanding of what was going on and again i'm not victim blaming I'm not saying that she did, she was wrong and in, in, in her uncomfortableness. She didn't know the man. Don't accept a hug from him. Um, there was a, a person who said something on Facebook that I absolutely agree with. As men of God, as preachers, as teachers, that there needs to be a time where we understand that we can't be in everybody's personal space. Sometimes a handshake and standing three feet away from someone is the safest place to be especially in an age like we live now where optics are everything. It doesn't matter what your intent was. What matters is that what matters is you just handing me stuff while I'm sitting here trying to Yeah, I was saying hit play. Yeah, it looks I don't want to hit play, man, cuz if I, I hit play it's going to be super so loud. No, no, it's But it looks silent. like he's it looks like he's like he he's kind of gripped in under her arm. Yeah, hit play. And no, I'm not going to hit play right now. I'm Why? talking. Because I'm talking, number one. All right, one. when you finish it, play. I'll talk while okay. you Okay, so... I want to give clear context to what happened. So, but again, aside from aside from what I'm about to witness, essentially, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, it the safer thing to be, and I and I think that this is going to this is a slippery slope situation, but I think that the more that we as men of God, as preachers, or just as human beings, tend to stay further away from people. It, it's going to we're, we're going to become less social it's going to have negative effects on just how we interact with people again I'm not saying that what he did was right what I am saying though is if I watch this and I see what I think I'm about to see then you know who's to say but alright go ahead and say yeah, well uh, my thing is this pastors whether they be men or women leaders whether they be men or women have to learn to be sensitive to people's space, people's comfort level, people's body language. It is something you should learn. Um, I think that when you watch what so, happened... So I just watched. Sure. No, I'm, I'm sure it just blacked yeah, out. Because yeah. your phone's a piece of trash, man. For it's real. It's Trinidad. Um, okay, there we go. That's all right. 
when you watch what happened, I think that you see that Ariana is clearly uncomfortable uh, to a certain degree. I think she's putting up with it to try and um, make the moment work. She understands there's cameras rolling. I think he understood there were cameras rolling. I think that if he had just been a little bit more conscious that he was interacting with a person in that moment um, who was trying to pull back from him, then th then none of this would have happened. I think he would have immediately uh, recoiled, apologized, and, and moved on. People are centering in on this right now because obviously there's a large conversation happening in the culture about men's treatment of women and uh, how men and women should interact. And so I think that you have to give credence to this moment and say, okay, let's talk about it. Um, unfortunately, I'm not even going to say unfortunately. The reality is pastors are humans like everyone else. Yeah. They're subject to do things that everyone else does. Um, I don't know what his intention was in that moment. What I do know is that you can see from the body language that she was uncomfortable. You can see from the body language that she uh, she she was attempting to smile through it, but there was some cringing happening for her. And you just gotta respect that. And and, and what he did crossed a, a boundary line. He has since apologized. I respect the apology. I'm glad that he didn't didn't duck it or try to sidestep it or act as if it didn't happen and sweep it under the rug. I'm glad he apologized. Uh, but in that also, now people want to have a larger conversation, which I think is important for us as the church to talk about um, what it is that we're going to do moving forward to help create a context for men who, let's just be honest, we grew up, a lot of us, especially somebody like Bishop Ellis at his age, he grew up in a time where some of these things were more normal and natural than they are today. It was what we call now misogyny and rape culture. 50 years ago... I hate those words. I understand that, but I'm saying that's what they're called now. I'm saying 50 years ago, those things were considered just men being men. I know personally older women who still have a mentality of boys will be boys. And um, and so I think that sometimes that, that may carry over. Um, heck, it does for me. I have insensitive moments where I'm like, I don't see what the problem is. I'm making a joke. And I have to remember in that moment you can't make a joke at the expense of someone else though. Um, that's not right. And uh, when someone has made clear, I'm uncomfortable with it. You have to respect it. So and so, I'm, I watched the you know watching the clip that you showed me again. I can see exactly what you're talking about as far as what can be perceived in that particular moment. Um, I think again, optics, op, the optics of it don't look good, but I honestly don't see any ill intent. But I, and that's something that have that that we see when you brought up you know rape culture misogyny uh people like labeling these things 
and that just it, we start we're starting to use terms and phrases that are becoming catch-alls and you have to I, I don't think that what Bishop Ellis was doing in having this young lady in his church in the church that he pastors let me rephrase that the, the church that he pastors standing in his pulpit having just sung his first interaction with this young lady and here he is you know trying to he's trying to give her a hug and he's got his arm around her inappropriately I'll, I'll go that far inappropriately at that stage you know you if you're gonna bring her in for the side hug you bring her for the side hug and let her go I don't think he needed to hold on as far as the the whatever he was saying because I didn't get to hear what he was saying and I, I think at that time he was possibly saying that was when the the joke about Taco Bell or something yeah uh, came up so even in those in that particular situation what we have to say is Bishop Ellis you know I'm, I'm glad like you said that he came out and said what he said but I also think that people are jumping the shark by saying that you know he's perpetuating something that has kind of always been there when you when you're in church and and I feel almost I don't want to defend something that is actually toxic so I'm really trying to find my words yeah when yeah. we talk about this because there are thousands of occasions that you'll find where where someone is coming to the church seeking you know some sort of solace seeking some comfort seeking some love or what have you get a hug from somebody and immediately it's taken improperly or or somebody immediately wants to try and shed some sort of light on it uh, like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. Well, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Now, in this particular moment at this, at this funeral, I can, after letting this play, watching this through, yeah, let the woman go. If she's going to walk away off the stage, then let her walk away and off the stage. Yeah. But that seemed to be what, what the deal was. Like she, like she had another engagement she was trying to get to. He's holding on to her so he can get out what he has to say. Hugs her and then lets her go. Um, that that can be taken incorrectly. Um, do I think that he did it in a malicious way, though? No. And when you throw when you throw something like rape culture mm -hmm. and misogyny, I, I don't see. Well, I'm using the words to paint the picture of the context of the culture. But do people understand what they're saying when so, they say things so like that? So rape and rape culture mean two different things, right? So, and I'm not the expert here. There's a thousand different words I have to add to my vocabulary now. Um, but that, no, no, because people say misogyny. Do you understand? Okay, and I'm not being facetious when I ask yeah. this. I'm not being condescending. Yeah, we say misogyny. Do people understand what misogyny means? Um, I think that no. I okay. think that if you do, now, you know what misogyny means. Yeah, but but okay. but let me say this. So I think people understand misogyny in the context that they understand it in. Formally, no. But there's a lot of words, like if we go down that road, the problem is there's a lot of words that get used that don't match the formal Merriam-Webster definition of what the word means. I challenge people, I always challenge people, whenever you want to throw a word out there, especially something that is a hot button type of thing, I challenge people to go look it up. Yeah. Um, you know, look it up, look up the research for, I mean, look up the word, look up the definition, find out where it, where it started, where it originated, Look up the etymology of it. Mm -hmm. Because people like saying things and don't really know the context or the weight. Words have meaning. But do word do the meaning of words change? No. And and 
oh, and I hate that's that's a slippery slope. Yeah, and it's a very much um, loaded question. I don't mean it to be loaded though. I just mean to ask: do do the meanings of words? change when, over time. When you speak about misogyny, misogyny has always meant the same thing. It's dislike or contempt for someone of the female of the female gender. That's what it's always meant. But in context, and, and you would know this even experientially, people use the word misogyny to describe men behaving in an inappropriate way, especially with language toward women. They don't necessarily mean it to be a, a, a outright bigoted mentality but even people, with things like calling somebody a bigot yeah you know, but, but I understand what you're saying what I'm saying is you have to deal with the fact that the majority culture uses a word a certain way you have to move within that context if you don't you won't be able to have a conversation with the majority culture I don't think I think that what we have to start doing is emphasizing the understanding of things before we start recommending that people run off at the mouth and just be taken again social media and i think we talked about this before social media has provided people a platform to say things and people take it and run with it it's, it falls into that catch-all of you know if it's on the internet it must be true yeah and when you say things like that people that all the research they'll give you is the fact that you said it yeah there's a there's a popular meme that goes around with a picture of abraham lincoln quoting a movie and when he does this, people are like, oh, look at what Abraham Lincoln said. It is meant to be a joke. But there are people who take that and be like, oh, snap, I didn't know that Abraham Lincoln said that. Yeah. And that's the mentality that we have of things. So when you have people who are on these soapboxes where they have the social media presence and they can say things like, oh, this is rape culture. Oh, this is misogyny. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is that. You then run the pro you run the risk, rather of influencing people who will never do a stitch of research but then perpetuate the lie that you put out there. And th the court of public opinion is undefeated. Yep. And, and that's what I'm literally saying is when you have things like the court of public opinion, you have to be able to move within that. So yes, you have to say to people, well, by definition, misogyny means one thing. But I understand that what you're trying to say is this. And then have the conversation about what that person is saying. It's like this. I'll give you a, a great example. Um, people say that discrimination is a bad thing and it's not. Discrimination is something you have to do. You have to discriminate by definition. The Merriam-Webster definition of discrimination just means choosing between two things. I wake up in the morning, do I want to have eggs or cereal? If I choose eggs, I'm discriminating against the cereal. Correct. That in and of itself, objectively, is not a bad thing. But in the context of the culture, people say the word discrimination, meaning that you've done harm to a person. If you know that, it's almost... Is that what discrimination really means, or does it mean that... Discrimination has made its way into the public into the public lexicon in the same fashion, just in a more nefarious way. If I'm going to discriminate between you and someone else for job preference mm -hmm. or something like that, that's where it becomes inherent. And that's wrong. what I mean, though. But 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 the way that a sentence will be said is 
he discriminated against me. Well, there's nothing wrong with somebody discriminating against you by definition of the word discrimination. It's the motive. It's it's the motive. It's the um, it's the factors that they used to to make their discriminative choice. Exactly. So, if they discriminated against you based on race, then we have an issue. There's a moral problem at hand because they chose to discriminate against you based on your race. Absolutely. Now, if they discriminated discriminated against you based on your job experience, there's nothing there's wrong, nothing with, wrong that. with that. Exactly. And and so that's what I mean about the way people use words. But I understand when someone says I was discriminated against, I understand that they mean someone did something morally wrong in their discriminatory process. But, but again, I, and when we talk about that, I have to choose my words carefully because again, sometimes I've been in a position where I've had to hire someone and I chose someone else based on one thing or another. Sure. I've had people say, well, you, you're, you're being discriminative. How am I being discriminative because I didn't choose you because you were... You, because it's not has nothing to do with your color, and it has that's everything to do with or or your gender or your uh, or your sexual preference or anything like and that. And that's literally my point: is that in the context of the culture, you understood what they were saying to mean that you did something morally wrong, even though you did actually discriminate when you chose one person over the other. You just the factors you used behind it we're not necessarily morally wrong, right? If you chose them based on, um, and I, I also have had to hire people and fire people, and it's never been based on the fact that they were black, white, or otherwise. It's always been based on, are you a good fit for this job based Absolutely. on your experience or expertise? Absolutely. Um, and when I've had to fire people based on your performance or lack thereof. Um, and so um, when you're talking about words having meaning versus the way that they're applied in in the culture, what I'm saying is that misogyny has a meaning within the culture that may not match exactly what's in the dictionary. And in this example, meaning when two men, me and you, yeah. sit here and converse about a woman mm -hmm. and then say something um, less than flattering about her, people will use the word misogyny to describe us. They'll say they're misogynistic, right? They're misogynists. Yeah. Um, even though that may not exactly fit the description. Another example I give people all the time is the word bigot. Bigot is not a morally wrong thing by definition. It's okay to be a bigot. It's not okay to be a bigot where race is concerned. Yeah, you're going to have to defend yourself on that one. Right, because so, being a bigot is just being a bigot. So, so, so where's your uh, Merriam-Webster? Uh, on the internet. All right. <laughs> technology. I might have, I might have technology to the rescue. On the... On the uh, let me on the bookshelf there. Well, no. Define bigot. But I get, like I said, I get what you're saying as far as the understanding of how words play themselves in popular in, in popular popular conversation. Yeah. I guess you could say. Um, I think the issue, however, still stands as one that do is this something that we need to be more mindful of as a people as a whole, or is this something that people need to simply close their mouths when they don't really understand what they're talking about um do we essentially do we reteach people or do we simply encourage people to not speak about things that they don't have a full grasp and understanding of so i'm of the opinion that there 
and I, I don't have a black and white answer for that because I think there are times when you ought to push back against certain things. And I think there are times where you just have to acknowledge this is the direction things are going and, and move with it um, because you're not going to be able to stop that flow anyway and it becomes a futile battle. Uh, and, and I just want to give this definition to, to, to clarify. So the word bigot by definition means a person who is intolerant toward those holding different opinions. There's literally nothing in and of itself morally wrong with that thing. But what the, the question then becomes, this is where you have to do a little bit more research. When you start, when you state something like that, what's the etymology of the word bigot? Where did it come from? Where did, irrelevant. I don't think it's irrelevant. I'm going to tell you why it's irrelevant. The culture doesn't care. Now, with that said, it is relevant to me and you on an academic level because we care about the meaning of words at that level. But when you're talking about the 7 billion people of the world, they look at the word bigot and say, a bigot is somebody who hates people because of their race or their sex. And, and, and the, they, they equate the word bigot to... It's, it's intolerance. Yeah, it, it, that's that's all a bigot has ever been. It's an intolerant person, right? But that's, it's okay for me that's not the, to. That's the layman's definition of Watch. it. That's what I've always known a bigot to be. Watch this. It is a bigoted behavior to not tolerate bigots. It is. Now, are those people that are not tolerant of bigots prepared to be called bigots themselves? Absolutely. Most of them are not. Most of them just aren't because they don't consider themselves bigots. Because they see that word as only applying to those people see, this, that fit into that box. And that's also, what I'm saying. But this also goes back to the conversation we had last week. You said, you know, oh, do words change over time? If I say bitch in public, people will never, most people will never assume that I'm speaking of a female dog yep. in heat. Absolutely. Nobody, you know, it's automatically going to be assumed that the first thing that's going to be yelled out is, who are you calling a bitch? You know, that's that's what it boils down to. That, I, I think that's a, a problem in society where we are so unlearned, where we've unlearned so many things that we can't use phrasing like that in proper context without having, you know, some big blow up about it or possibly, you know, having to deal with, oh, well, it was just a faux pas that you, you shouldn't have said something like that. And I think maybe for the optics of it, you should just apologize. Sure. But I did nothing wrong. And that's where the, the court of public opinion is at its strongest because many people would much rather just say, I would rather not face that than to defend myself. Mm -hmm. And well, that, that you fight that fight everywhere. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's your options. You can. If the court of public opinion has said, that thing you did was wrong. You can choose to stand on the thing you did that was wrong if you believe it wasn't wrong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't like the way you phrased that personally. If you believe it wasn't wrong, I believe it's okay for you to stand on that. But the way that you phrased it was the thing you did wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me clarify. The thing you did that they say is wrong and you say isn't. It's okay for you to stand on it. You just have to be willing to deal with the consequences, which may mean you lose your platform, which may mean you lose your spot in the light. 
because what I'm, I'm I'm talking about that specifically in, in the context of these big time guys, especially pastors who are in this limelight. You're going to be criticized at a much 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 higher level than uh, uh, Louis C.K. But preachers are already criticized. Why did I use Louis C.K.? I have no know. idea why you use Louis C.K. Um, most of the people listening to us probably have no idea who Louis C.K. is. I don't know uh, why I did that. Me, but. you, Dave Chappelle, hey Louis, Chris Rock. <laughs> no, who did? I want to put you out there like that. <laughs> but no, I, I, my problem. Louis know what he did though. My problem. Louis know what he did. My problem is with the with the power that we've given the opinions of others. And while you're correct in the fact that I've run the risk of losing my place, I would much rather stand my ground absolutely than to cower and then to have to wear the label because that's the issue. Yep. If I, if I cower and apologize, then I'm just whatever they said I am. Right. And I refuse to be that type of person. Yeah. I can't sit here and let someone, if someone walks up and calls me a misogynist, I had this happen as a matter of fact. Uh, at work, a young lady caught herself joking with me and, and called me a misogynist, and it immediately affected me because I understand what the word means. And I had to very sternly let her know, like, hey, that's not funny. I don't take that. That's not something that we that I'm joking around with yep. or anything like that, especially in a place where I work with a, bit, a bunch of uh, people who do not reflect the same values or skin tone that I do. Yeah. Where you and I can have a conversation in private and you can say something like that and then say, oh, I was just joking. When you say things like that in public spaces and someone hears you, mm -hmm. automatically it then becomes, oh, well, what what did he say? Maybe he is that what that person said and then it spreads. Yeah. A uh, perfect example of the idea of the a court of public opinion and it's, an un, it's, a, it's one that a lot of people don't like discussing but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, O.J. Simpson was tried in the court of public opinion before he was ever tried in a court of law. Yeah, that's true. Before he before he stepped foot in a court of law, it was it was immediately apparent that he was guilty of all charges, and yeah. that was coming from one side of the from no not not one side. He is guilty, everybody. Yeah, everybody said it. No, he's not. By by the definition of the law, he was found not guilty. I mean that's fine, but. <laughs> Yeah, he did it. So, do you have video evidence of the man doing it? Do you have physical evidence of the man perpetrating the crime? I got his confession on tape. That's not his confession. <laughs> and I hate the people used that. He was stupid for saying that. But listen, listen, my man, my man got he beat a murder. He did. Then he wrote a book that said if I did it, that detailed what he would have done. That was very similar to what was done. If I was gonna kill her. This is how I would have killed her. And it lined up. Alright. Then you did an interview that came out. How long How long has it been since that interview was recorded? It's that been was, some years. That was over they said it was like, ago. Yeah, it's been a minute, right? And then you sat in front of this lady. She looked terrified, by the way. As she should have. And said, you know, I do remember having the knife. I don't Context. remember what happened after that. Context, the man. next thing I remember is there was blood everywhere. What? Yo, OJ. OJ, my G, listen. Enjoy Yo. Vegas, OJ. Anyway, we're not about to go down this path. What I'm saying is this. Court of Public Opinion Yo. immediately put that man in the crosshairs. And even it if just... you don't look... But, he, but look at any person who's ever had to deal with anything in public. Uh, Michael Jackson 
YouTube to, to the day he died. Jay Z death of um, you know to the day to the day Michael Jackson died. He wore the stigma of being a child molester. People wanted to give this wanted to put this on this man that he was out here touching little boys and Jesus juice and all this other stuff. Never proven. Do you have when you have stuff like that that tarnishes a person's what tarnishes what a person is his his legacy his or her legacy for that matter that stuff does trauma and we're dealing with stuff in this day and age where people are more likely now to just off themselves yeah we, we talked about it with the r kelly joint when we had that super long wait conversation minute, wait a minute when we had the super long conversation about the 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 r kelly song i'm not getting ready to let you just just move past this conversation we was having. I'm not moving past the conversation. This All is right. part of the conversation. All right, let me make sure. We had this super long conversation uh, about uh, R. Kelly, what he, you know, what it meant, the, the song, in the song that he wrote, and how he's being seen as the public. And I said something that was that I thought was fairly profound that nobody really picked up on. The last thing I want to see for all these people who are criticizing and calling R. Kelly a bunch of things that they have no proof of because they simply have what one person is saying that another person is saying that another person may be saying is to wake up one morning and R. Kelly's found hanging in his home or hotel room or what have you from a drug overdose, you name it, all because he couldn't take what social media was doing to him. And I think that's the, I don't think people understand the, the power of the bully pulpit. And we, we use that term of a singular person standing up and, you know, and using their platform to impose their will on, on, someone, on someone smaller than them. We just shouted out black Twitter at the beginning of this show and the truth of the matter is black Twitter has a pulpit big enough to push people in a direction that could be detrimental to their health. And the sad thing is all they will do is celebrate. And if they don't celebrate, they'll start splintering off and saying things like, oh, I couldn't I didn't know that they were sick. I can't believe that they did this to themselves. When you the very meme that you tweeted out, you you throwing this, you know, retweeting some joke that someone made about somebody's well-being or livelihood. Now, all of a sudden, this person's no longer here, and now you want to celebrate him. Yeah, well, listen. I get it. I get it. But I go back to... You have to choose to either move within the context of the culture or not. If you choose not to, that's fine. But there are social consequences to not moving within the context of the culture. That sounds like bully culture. It is a bully culture. Sure it is. I don't argue with you with that. It's absolutely a bully culture. Nobody's ever said that. Culture is a bully culture though. Culture is by nature bully in its in its behavior, right? Um, society says what you can and cannot do for the most part. We don't have laws like you can't steal because the Bible says you can't steal. I know that's what they say, but that's not why. We have laws that say that because people don't want you to take their stuff. You cannot legislate the heart, but you can change behavior with legislation. It's true. By nature, society and culture bully people to, into submission to do what they want them to do. 
We don't need speed limits. You can get rid of speed limits. They did in Montana. Speed limits are there because society has said we feel like this is what's necessary for everybody to be safe on the road. If you don't like it, that's fine. You can speed. We're just going to take your money for it. What I'm saying is society is, in order for it to work, it has to be bully-esque by nature. I know it's not a popular opinion, and I know that there are a lot of people that will hear this and say, I don't know what I'm talking about or that I'm wrong, but I would defy them to show me otherwise. Because society is not benevolent. Society is not um, even out for what is best for the individual. Society is looking to create a scenario that is best for what they as a culture have decided is best for everyone. Understood. I can, I can accept that. So yes, we live in a bully culture. Yes, we're moving in a direction for my Christians that are listening that is not friendly to uh, biblical theology. We're moving in a direction as a culture in America and in Western society. We're moving away from biblical theology being uh, the the stronger voice uh, leading the way and leading the charge on what we should and shouldn't do. You now have to decide how you're going to navigate that. Whether that be becoming Westboro Baptist Church and saying we won't participate at all and we're going to raise up our fundamental flag. Mm -hmm. Or I think there's a middle of the road way to do this, which is to say, let's examine what the culture is saying against what the Bible says and see where we might have missed a few things because the church is also responsible for some large issues. Absolutely. Or you can go all the way to the other extreme, which is you could just be like, we're ordaining some crazy uh, situations and we're 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 pushing forward with a non-Jesus focused movement in our church and you can go completely with the culture. I've seen that as well. You know, you have to decide how you're gonna move within the culture. Um So essentially, if I'm hearing you correctly, and I and I I, I don't believe this to be your I don't think you're putting a, a a seal of approval on anything, but essentially it sounds like you can either A be a part of the monolith, which is uh, pop culture or popular culture, or you can be counterculture. Uh, but you have to accept the consequences for either or. You can either be a cog in the, in the wheel, or you can be someone who pushes back and then essentially either overwhelmed or maybe that one person who can effectively affect the way that culture moves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're free to do what you choose to do. You just have to be prepared for the consequences. And even if you're not prepared, they're coming. So, like, if you choose to say, uh, and I'll, I'll choose a really strong example here. If you choose to say, we will openly preach against homosexuality in our church. Which many churches have done. That's okay. You're free to do that. You then just have to deal with the fact that the LGBT community has a very strong voice in society and will ostracize you. And I think that some churches look, look at that as a badge of honor, so 
Some will accept that and, and welcome it. Some will shy away from that, but that's what's going to happen if you make a big enough stink about homosexuality in your church. Now, do I think you shouldn't do that because of that? No. I just think you need to know this is what it comes with. I think people understand the, the ramifications of every decision that they make. I, being, I wish I could agree with that. Being, I don't think they do. I think they're completely blind and oblivious. <laughs> are you calling people sheep, sir? I think people are people are definitely sheep. 100% sheep. I have no problem saying that. But I, I think that people have an understanding. I'm of a effect. sheep to a certain degree. We're all sheep. We're all following something or Is someone. The right, there's there's the a right shepherd. Phrase? Yeah. We're all sheep. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're all sheep. We all have a shepherd. It's just not the same shepherd. Absolutely. Um, ultimately, what I have a problem with, and I think we'll, we'll, I will continue to have a problem with, is I'm a person who doesn't believe that just having this myopic view on life and sharing this monolithic viewpoint on what we should be doing as a society, um, I just can't, I can't rock with that. I'm, I'm all for fun. You know, I'm all for, you know, I, I have no problem roasting people. I have no problem, you know, with friends, making jokes, so on and so forth. I think that when you start to fall into this crowd, though, of saying things, that certain things are poisonous or certain things are detrimental and not understanding that it's not being said of a place, from a place of malice or done from a place of malice and just just because you didn't get it or you weren't in on it. Is a, is a problem, and I think that's something that should be addressed. I am man enough, and I was man enough here recently to understand that toxic masculinity is a real thing. You know, I don't, I don't know if I, we share, I share this on the show or not, but uh, I'm, I've recently begun uh, my weight loss program. I have goals to get to. I'm trying to live. Uh, Y'all almost lost a boy uh, about two months ago, but uh, I was at the gym. Uh, about two weeks ago and it was leg day leg day is terrible if, if for anybody who has ever worked out before uh, because legs are the one part of your body that you will use all day long so, so I do leg day and I call myself going to work the next day Got oh trembling in your, in yeah your yeah you, you, you tip drill, you tip drilling all day essentially <laughs> But, but I'm at the gym and doing this workout, and part of my workout called for me to do uh, leg curls. Anybody who's ever done a leg curl, they can be done one of two ways. There's either a seated leg curl or a prone leg curl. Um, the seated leg curls I didn't see, so all I saw were the, the prone leg curl machines. And what the prone leg curl is, is essentially a, a board or a, a, pad, a padded board that you lay across with your butt perched in the air and you hold handles and lift weights with your ankles to, yeah. to you know hamstrings calves stuff like that and i sat i stood in front of this machine for about 10 minutes like tripping because i didn't feel comfortable Laying on your stomach. Laying on my stomach <laughs> in a gym in front of a gym full of people yeah. to have to do this to have to do this. Yeah. I grew up around people that 
when we would go out and do stuff like when we would go out to work out and stuff like that, they wouldn't mess with you when you're in a position to be messed with. Yeah. They're not doing it from a sexual perspective or anything. Just the fact that someone throws something at you or slaps you on the back of your head or on your butt or anything becomes something that you dread. But here I am in front of all these strangers being asked now to do this workout with no protection. I don't have anybody that's watching my back to make sure somebody doesn't walk up and see me. And I don't have yeah. a, I don't have someone that's, that's making sure that no dude is, is looking at my butt or something like that. And I and these are all the thoughts that I went through in my head. And I remember when I when I finally came to the realization that this is what I was struggling with, I kind of had to slap myself and I just did it. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm sitting here, nothing happened to me. But the fact that I had to deal with that was a very real moment for me as far as toxic masculinity is concerned. Yeah. Suffice it to say, I don't put everything into that bag of toxic masculinity. I think that was a very toxic mindset that I had, and it was something that was preventing me from getting into my optimum health because I, was un- I, wouldn't- I wasn't allowing myself to see or do certain things because of how I may be perceived because of it. Um... When I, when I tell a joke, though, if I tell a joke between you and I, I'm not going to say something. Like I said about the word nigga, if I'm going to say nigga, it's usually in a disparaging manner. And if it's in a disparaging manner to somebody that I love, it's said from a place of familiarity. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying it jokingly, haha, let's move on and have life. However, if I, if I say that in front of, you know, a white brother or sister or an Asian brother or sister, as you brought up, they may take that a completely different way and not see the love that I have for this person as I say this supposedly very derogatory phrase. The jokes, um, I, I need someone, and maybe we should have had someone uh, of the opposite gender here, so uh, if there are any women out there that want to come and present your side, I think we're, we're going to have to do a show on toxic masculinity um, mm. and I think toxic femininity, uh, to be real. Mm. Um but if you're listening, you know, hit us up, you know, Facebook, IG, uh, Twitter, you call it if the feedback page. Hit us up. Let us know if you want to be a part of that. Back to what I was saying. Ultimately, I, I can't I can't jive with the public telling me that it's OK for the public to tell me what to do, but it's not OK for me to do what I think is the best thing for me. And if I say, hey, this is all right, that t- and the public says, no, that's not all right, it should be of a mutual, I, I think I think we're, th- that it should be mutual enough that there shouldn't be any gray area. But the moment that it becomes gray area, I shouldn't be bullied into having a thought process. If I say, I, I've, I've had conversations with people about the LGBT community, which I love, I love the LGBT community, I have people who I love and support that are in the community, however, don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do for the LGBT community. And that's way too much silence from you. I don't like that. Um, I think you have a valid point. I think that, yes, uh, society... You know, it's funny. We got all the way over here, by the way, just in this conversation. I wasn't done with Ellis. But that's you, cool. You can go back to Ellis. We're still um, talking about the same thing. The, the conversation with... Uh, Society and what they can and cannot force you to do. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you that you shouldn't have to have a certain train of thought because society says so. What I find interesting about the modern day circumstance is that a lot of what people are railing against is simply them being challenged on their thought processes and and people just in general we have a tendency to say if i'm in favor of something it must be right because i wouldn't be in favor of, i'm not the kind of person to be in favor of something that's wrong okay I feel you. we have that tendency in ourselves to just trust that our moral compass is in the right place yeah um and so when we're challenged we go well no right because if I've been voting one way my whole life, clearly I've been voting that way because I believe that's the right way. And I think that I'm a pretty good judge of things. I know Everybody says they're a good judge of character. Everybody. I'm, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I can tell, you know. Until so, you realize that all your friends are racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so my point is, in the church, there needs to be, before we go, they're trying to take us out of the and society is doing before we start throwing our hands in the air and pumping our fist and yelling about what the culture is doing take a moment to examine what's being said and then ask yourself if what they're saying is actually that wrong here's what I mean homosexuality in and of itself is a sin Oh, you said that kind of boldly, sir. Well, that, I don't have any problem saying that at all. There's going to be people who are going to lash out at you and say you're absolutely wrong about that. That doesn't bother me at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm fully prepared for those consequences. That's what I'm saying. Um, on the flip side... I agree, by the way. Yeah. On the flip side, I interact with people that live that lifestyle, like that live a homosexual lifestyle every day. We're friendly. We talk about a, a range of things, guess why? I don't identify them by that. Exactly. I don't identify them by the fact that they um, that they, 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 they live a gay lifestyle or that they're engaged in same-sex anything. I identify them by the fact that they're image bearers of God, they're human beings, they're people. The mistake that happens with people a lot of times is we identify people by one thing. So, I know this guy's gay, and now my toxic masculinity kicks in, and I'm a Christian. Yeah. And that's wrong. And it offends my sensibilities. That's the big one. Sins that offend people's sensibilities. Oh, yeah. It's a great topic. But, we get in there, we get in that mind space, and then it's, Oh, I don't talk to them. I don't associate myself with them. I don't engage with them. All because you have taken some self-righteous approach and now found yourself in sin because you think it's okay to ostracize or make someone an outcast because they do something that you believe is wrong. So, how do you feel about this? Uh, this is something I dealt with personally. Um, you support and love someone who's in who's in the community. Yeah. Um, that person the gay community you mean yeah okay um, you know what let's not make this about the gay community let's yeah. say that you know two people who are uh, self-described and and 
and proud uh, kleptomaniacs. Okay. They love stealing stuff. Okay. They any place they go, they always walk out with something that ain't theirs. They've decided that they're going to join and become one one union. They're gonna be they're gonna join and become one flesh. Yeah. Male and female, two males, two females, doesn't matter. But they're kleptomaniacs. Yeah. That's their sin. That's the sin that we're gonna put that that's that's the sin that they recognize and it, but they don't believe that kleptomania is a sin. And they want you as a minister to perform their wedding ceremony. Okay. Do you perform that wedding ceremony? Because because stealing is thou shalt not steal. It's a sin. We, that's one. Of, that's one of ten. Yeah. Um, of course, I perform their wedding ceremony. Okay. That's a very different scenario from the homosexuality thing. Um, of course, I perform the kleptos uh, wedding ceremony. Not at my house, though. Uh, not at. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't. No, I couldn't avoid that. You, you got to take that one. Yeah, I had to. Um, but yeah, of course I do. Like, so if they were homosexual, you don't do it. No, because you don't believe in homosexual. I don't believe. I don't believe it's possible to marry two people of the same sex. Okay, so you got you don't believe it's possible in what phrase in what sense? I believe the state can give them tax write offs and yeah, and 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 can the state can say you're entitled to share benefits at your job. I believe the state can give them a license and say, you all are entitled to all the benefits of a married couple. Gotcha. I don't believe the state defines marriage. Okay. I don't believe the state makes marriage. Okay. I believe that marriage is a covenant between two people and God. Okay. I believe that the only way to, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm okay. trying to figure out exactly where you were going. The only way to... Seal the deal. Okay. To seal the covenant. To seal the covenant is by actual intercourse. Okay. Well, I mean, intercourse is defined by everybody. Okay, well, let me be very clear. I believe that the way you seal the covenant of marriage is by a man having sex with a woman. Okay. By definition, then, it's impossible to marry two men. Okay. It's impossible to marry two women. Okay. So, I don't perform the the, the ritual... Because I don't believe it's possible to actually create the covenant. Got you. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. Do you support? Okay, so let's 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 take it this way then. Two kleptomaniacs. Yeah. Again, not dealing with the homosexual thing. Yeah. You know that they're living in sin, clearly yeah. living in sin, yeah. and being kleptomaniacs are going to be kleptomaniacs together. Yeah. Do you support that? Yo, being kleptomaniacs <laughs> together is crazy. Do you support Yo. that union? With your presence, they don't want you to marry him. Mm. They want you to be present, though. Mm. Yeah, I'm coming to that wedding. I'm definitely coming to that wedding. It sounds like you're just coming for the show. No, I'm definitely showing up because I'm gonna be like, "Yo, I know y'all stole like half the stuff here." Yeah, I, I know. So, so you're going for the show? No, I'm joking. I'm, I'm totally joking. Um, yeah, but no. Again, I go to the to the wedding because. The, the wedding is still a thing that can be done, like if there are two people of the opposite sex. But your support, but your your presence gives. Yeah, a support their union. You support the union, of course. Would you do the same for a homosexual couple? I can't. This is what I'm saying. Like like when we talk about these things, Christians have very very surface level sometimes, and I'm saying Christians like I'm not a Christian, but like within the church, 
we sometimes have this very surface level understanding of things. We don't understand how deeply rooted and tied to um, other realities that some things are. So for me, the issue of marriage goes far beyond homosexuality being a sin. I don't believe two people of the same sex can ever actually be married. A pastor can say whatever words he wants. The state can issue whatever license they want. I don't believe God acknowledges their union. Okay. And I'm saying that as someone who my one of my closest friends is in a homosexual marriage. So is mine. One of mine. And, and so, like, and I love her. I love her kids and her spouse. I love that family. Would you call it a you call their their partner a spouse? Yeah, that's that's what they choose to be called. That mm -hmm. doesn't bother me. Um, I, I love, I love them. I don't believe that God acknowledges that union as a covenant. Hmm. Um, that I know is upsetting to a lot of people. Yeah. I don't say that for shock value or to upset people. I legit in my theology, it doesn't make sense to me that it's possible. Because what I see uh, in the practice of marriage in the Bible are one, I only see man and woman. Okay. Um, and I don't know how this turned into a theology explanation on I, I, homosexuality. I was, I was about to try and spin it back to Ellis. Yeah. You've seen that so, so much to, to I don't know how this happened. But let me just cut it short by saying I don't think the Bible ever makes room for same-sex marriage. I don't think that it's a valid argument to say that the Bible doesn't ever say anything against it because the Bible gives a very clear explanation of what is marriage. We are going to get so much hate mail because of the, the diatribe that we've just gone down. And everybody that's listening, be very clear. I don't have anything against homosexual people. I have friends that are homosexuals in their lifestyles. I just don't identify them by that. Like, listen, I know people that are adulterers. I know people that are whoremongers. I know people that live extremely promiscuous lives. None of them are women. And, like, honestly, and I don't identify them by that. Now, I also wouldn't marry those two people right away either. So, I mean, there's that, that should be said as well. And, and that, that's kind of, go. never mind, we're not going to get back to that. We're talking about Ellis. Yeah. Let's get back to Ellis. So, um, so to get back to the the topic of the behavior, yeah, of 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 culture and behavior and how we as a church respond to these things, because that was ultimately what we were talking about is yeah. is uh, how how do we respond? How do we? And when I say we, I mean the church. But then how to how should a pastor conduct himself? Well, if you made that mistake, I think you should apologize. Which he did. Which he did. Um, I think within the church we should acknowledge that if we want to engage this culture we need to become sensitive to the things the culture is sensitive to. Um, I think that this is an application where you become all things to all people. I think it's necessary to respect the boundary lines that that uh, society is drawing right now. When I say society, I really just mean young people that are coming up are deciding, you know what? We don't like that men think it's okay to do any and everything where women are concerned, which I think is a good thing. That's a good thing. And 
And I don't think that's ever been something that we've just approved. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't think course. that's. I don't think that. And that's. But I, it's never been so openly called out. I think it's so has. aggressively. I think it's been aggressively called out. Okay. I think that t- technology has given us bigger voices. Mm. There was so a, there was think- a vi- there was a viral video a couple of years ago of a young lady who approached uh, the pastor that she said wa- had molested her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for many years I think as, I as, a, that. as a young child, and she posted this. Uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and a few different places, and it caught fire. Yeah, and a lot of people had had you know said their piece about it, and then it just like most things, we're a microwave society. The next big thing happened, and yeah, just kind of let on. it go. But that that kind of stood out to me because people have always been speaking out against these behaviors, and so when you have someone who is very readily in front of the people. Who is being called to the? Who is essentially being called out and said, "Hey, look, the behavior that you've been doing is wrong." It it's always taken care of. People in general, however, especially as it pertains to the church, want to see blood. Yeah, they want to see blood when it comes to these things. Now, now here's the thing: it's not always the he molested he molested children. It could be something as simple as he cheated on his wife, yeah. killing. Cut his cut his thing off. Yeah. They want embarrassment and blood yeah. for the mistakes that people made. Yeah, and I've always found, I, I think that that's always been a big a big thing to me. I, now I've but, also I've also played a part in trying to call some of those things out. A very prominent pa- a national pastor, as a matter of fact, uh, was caught in adultery. Very can public. You be a national pastor. He was nationally recognized. He's a na- he is, Yo, he is a still the nation. So. Yeah, he is a nationally recognized pastor. One who is coming to this city very soon, as a matter of fact, for the Uh-oh. second year in a row. Uh oh. And he was very. He was in a very public adultery case. Okay. Uh, and there, he from what from the way the story was told, he was he was encouraged by his elders and peers to not to to sit down. And for those who are not familiar with church, uh, to, with church and ease, essentially black church and ease, black church and ease. When you are sat down, that means you do not do anything in church. You sit your happy tail on the mourners' pew, and you I mean, don't they preach. took your job from you. You got suspended. Yeah, he was told to sit down, not to do anything. Uh, one Sunday, uh, the su- the Sunday following this conversation, uh, all of his ministers and other elders just so happened to not be in church this day. And he mounted the pulpit, and he preached a very significant sermon entitled, I'm Still the Man. Oh, man. This brother's bold. He preached uh, David and Bathsheba, a very prominent passage about what? Adultery. This brother's wild. And he conflated himself in the story of David and Bathsheba. I don't know who this man is. In the role of David. But his arrogance knows no bounds. In the role of David, and at the end of the sermon, you know, he as he as he made his way through the text, Boo. He, he was not booed. No, I'm booing him right now, currently. <laughs> he was retroactively. He was as he made his way through the text. He he constantly referred to David as still being the man. That no matter what, no matter the decision that David made, he was still anointed. Sure, he was still the king, uh, which is still partially. Bathsheba lost that baby, by the way. Yeah, it was it was Isis Jesus at best. Yeah, but 
My man, yo. But what he did at the end of it, as he... I say, yo! I'm about the, to diss him right at, now. The, at the end of the sermon, he then says, I'm, st-, you know... He, he, he speaks to the, the difficulties that David faced, how David was restored, and then ends the sermon by saying, and I'm still the man. Lays the mic down, walks off stage. Boo! <laughs> he was... He Get was him met, out of here! He was met with rousing... Zip him up! He was met with rousing applause from the congregation. Of course he was. I mean, people don't listen. You know how this works. You preach a, you preach a, 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 a homiletically pre-pleasing sermon... You can get people on your side. Definitely get people on your side. I'm, I'm boo. That's all I'm gonna say. That's it. <laughs> what I'm That's saying. All I have to say to that. You have more to say to that, but I'm still the man. <laughs> Who is this guy? I'm still the we'll, man. We'll talk about it off air, just in case he hears this. Listen, if you're listening, you you might you might listen. You might hear this and be like. Yo, how dare they? Technically, he's still the man. How dare they? But listen, 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 bro. You could still be in your position. You might be walking upright and pleasing before the Lord right now. But that sermon, boo. You understand? I'll listen, bro. We can buy lunch. I'll buy you lunch, but I'll boo you. I'm going to. I will take you to lunch, but you have to endure the booing. I'm going to boo you the entire meal. You don't pay for his meal at booing. And boo. I'm going to bring up that sermon title. I'm still the Boo. Get out of here, man. Yo, get him out of here. Anyway. But that speaks to. Goodness. That speaks to. I'm no respecter of persons. You can be the nation's pastor or the pastor of a church of three. I'm booing that sermon. Yeah, yeah, that, that sermon was, it was, it was, yeah, anyway, it was, he, what he did with those was justify his sin. Yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to get, I think that was the point I was trying to make, is that in the church, where, where things are public, where things are publicly done, they're not always publicly, yeah, they're answered not, for. They're not always, pu- they're they always publicly answered for. He took a hit in, in making the mistake that he By made, the however. Person. He was, he was you know, so he was knocked down a peg because yeah. of that. Ultimately, though, people seem to think that in the church... Where was when Black Twitter when this sermon was uh, preached? Never mind. <laughs> what we find, though, is that, again, people want blood. And so when they hear about something happening, but they don't hear about something publicly happening inside of a church, yeah. then they they assume that the church is simply trying to cover it up, which Absolutely. is not the case. Absolutely they do. But... but, but does some of that come from the fact that the church has tried to cover things up? The church, I think people conflate the church, when people say church, and they include all factions of it. So if you're conflating the Roman Catholic Church with the Baptist Church, with the Apostolic Church, with the uh, Koji sure. Church, then yeah, Here, the, church, the, question. the church has done stuff like that because the Catholic mm-hmm. Church we know will move has moved priests around out of different jurisdictions to avoid certain things. In I'm not black churches, guys, in black churches though, and I've been a part of black churches where there's been scandal and there's been and things happen. I've watched people removed from their positions, had the police called on them, and let it be done through the legal system. Yeah, those people don't still have access yes. to be able to do the things that they do. So when people say, "Oh, the church doesn't do anything," yes, the church absolutely does what it's supposed to do. Absolutely, and and and, and I, I want to like I've been on the on the on the uh, antagonistic side of this, but I want to offer 
some some balance because also one thing I tell people all the time is for every every fallen member of the church you've seen on the news, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are are living right. They don't make the news. They don't. For every pastor that you've seen do something that was uh, either less than stellar or outright sinful, there are hundreds of pastors across this nation. Thousands. Thousands even, for sure, that, um, that, that, are, that are doing it the right way. But the bully pulpit of, pop, of the church of popular opinion. Of course, you can't beat them. But everybody falls victim then at that point. Yeah, of course. You can't beat the church. Listen, you can't beat the... the, the but why does, why, why does everyone have to be then subject to the wrath of the church, the, the, the congregation of public opinion? Um, why? Because majority rules. Um, because society is, is, again, built on the idea of majority rules. We live in, in Canada, a, man. Even there... You might even get it worse. Um, society stands on the voice of the people, at least in Western culture. And where it does, where it doesn't stand on the voice of the people, it stands on the voice of the media, which still, in a sense, is the voice of the people. It stands on the voice of um, whatever propaganda is put out which ultimately still goes back to the voice of the people because where people like here in America there's a lot of outrage on over everything everything the amount of people willing to actually act on their outrage though is very few true it's one thing to pump your fist loud and, and yell yeah it's another thing altogether it's a lot of keyboard warriors out here of course and so we live in an age where the keyboard warriors, though, are having a day. They're having a moment, and uh, they're being they're 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 moving and shifting culture. Like against what people will tell you, people might say those those people don't mean anything. Those people mean everything because they're they're so prevalent and they 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 they're so pervasive. They influence everything. So, unfortunately, R. Kelly. They got you out of here. Like, Did to, they a, really? to R. Kelly a large drop, degree. R. Kelly gonna drop an album in like a year and a half. Nobody's listening to R. Kelly's albums, bro. I, Except for like a few white people. I think R. Kelly's next album's gonna go gold. Stop. Okay. 500,000 people. Stop. It's 500,000 people. Nikki sold two. R. Kelly's not outselling Nikki. He's gonna sell 500,000 copies. Where? Stranger. Not in America. In America. No. Okay. Nikki sold two. She sold two. Travis Scott sold dropped. two. When it dropped. Right. Yeah. She, yeah, you might sell 500000 over she, a 10-year she, span. She'll go platinum here in a couple of weeks. Nah. She'll be platinum in a couple well, of weeks. Well, she's probably, you know, to be honest, that 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 uh, that uh, may be certified platinum already based on streaming rules, but... But like I said, that's, that's beside the point. Neither here nor there. R. Kelly's going to go gold. And probably go platinum go based on... stream. Based on... Based on I'm not going to... I'm not going <laughs> to fall into that trap. He'll, he will go gold... Probably platinum based on based on streams, guaranteed. Yo, y'all out here sneak listening to R. Kelly? Dude, I was just listening to Twelve Play uh, TP Two dot com the other day. Let me find out y'all sneak listening to R. Kelly. I'm not sneak listening to anything. TP Two dot com still bumps, still gets play. I'm gonna listen to it on my no, way. No, home. no, no, I'm talking about sneaking. I still listen to R. Kelly openly. 
I don't know people that's saying that we can't listen to R. Kelly and then listen to R. Kelly. I never said we couldn't listen to R. Kelly. All right. So anyway, um, so we get we get Ellis's behavior. Yeah. Now Ellis's comment. Yeah. Ellis then says to Ariana Grande that he thought her name he saw her name on the on the program and thought she was a uh, she thought he thought she was a menu item at Taco Bell. Yo, that's the most disrespectful. That's not the most disrespectful. The most, listen, listen. If anybody ever calls me a menu item at Taco Bell, we got to fight. Like, period. We got to fight. I mean, if they call something to John. (laughs) Nah. Like, I got to be a menu item at, like, Country Kitchen or, like, if I can be a menu item at Country Kitchen, cool. If you tell me I'm a country, I'm a menu item at Taco Bell, we got to fight. Period. Like, what were we talking about? What so, he, like, being a menu item at Taco Bell is disrespectful in and of itself. Much less comparing a person to that. So you don't yeah. like Taco Bell, I'm assuming. Listen, Taco Bell, the menu at Taco Bell is the most dangerous thing you can consume as a human being. That is not true. Listen, you can't consume nothing more dangerous. than. And I love Burrito Supremes. Uh, but those joints are probably killing me. Uh, a thigh from Church's Chicken, sir. Nah, not at all. Absolutely. How dare you? Dude, a thigh from churches, a thigh from churches is the size of my hand. Sir, churches. Let me take that back. It's the size of my bicep. Churches got two dollar Tuesdays, and they don't ever disrespect churches. Thighs are the size of my bicep. What's wrong with you? Churches got two dollar Tuesdays. Steroid thighs. Poor people across the nation live on two dollar Tuesdays. They do, and it's a shame. Dangerous, sir. They they taking they taking boys out a heart attack at a time. Taco Bell out here attacking the nation. You want to go at churches? Unbelievable. I'm, I'm just saying. But here, and here's the part that I'm less inclined to agree with the masses with. The man made an off color joke. Yes, nah, I ain't giving you that. I'm not giving you that. He made an off color joke. No. It was not meant to be anything more than that, though. All right. So the next time a white person get on TV. And say something about you being uh, a, a, a fried chicken lover, or which I absolutely um, love fried chicken. Yeah, that's fine. The next time a white person gets on TV and say some off-color comment, I just want you to be like, "Nah, it's the off-color comment." I want you to keep that same energy. Because, I would absolutely keep the same energy if it's not said in malice. I don't think he if said he that. If he had in, been white, I don't think he said that. They in malice. would be hitting him out of here right now. I don't if think he had so. been white and said, "If he I said, thought you was a," if he said it and he was on, white, man. if he said it and he was white. Matter of fact, I'll give you this much. If he was somebody who said it that was white and wasn't a pastor, it'd be the funniest joke said in in, in the nation. You wildin' right now. I'm not wildin' right now. You wildin' right now. He's a black pastor, and he said it, and people think, oh, he was being racist. He wasn't being racist. I don't think he was being racist, but it was racially insensitive. I don't think it was racially insensitive. It was definitely insensitive. Is she a Latina? Yes. I couldn't tell you, sir. Come on, bro. He said, I thought you was a menu item on Taco Bell. Grande. Now, I don't know if he mean he want to eat her or if not. he was just referring to her I'm as just, a Mexican Did you item see the looks that she was getting? On a fake Mexican food menu. Did you see the pulpit getting their looks in? Listen, I I'm saw sure they them. was all getting their looks in. I didn't watch the funeral. but I, I didn't sure, watch the funeral either. But they, sure were, they was all getting their looks There were in. photos Listen. of many of the men, the men of both the cloth and of politics. They said Bill Clinton was willing to risk it all again on I stage. Bet he, I bet they was. They probably loved him some Ariana. Listen, gentlemen, keep avert your eyes. Avert them eyes. Job made a covenant with his eyes. <laughs> preach to y'all. Um, Man, we not, 
he made an off-color comment. He did not mean that maliciously. And for people to think I'm that he meant that he meant maliciously, maliciously. For white people, people say, that say he stuff meant that, all the time that they don't mean maliciously. It, they mean it maliciously. No, white people say stuff all the time they don't mean maliciously. And it's malicious. Listen, white people say stuff. They say all it historically the time. maliciously. Oh, okay. They they said, but not him. Not he him. didn't say it historically maliciously. He did not. Come get out of here, man. You're out of you. You're done. You're done. I'm not. I'm not about to do this with you. Uh, how you gonna, how you gonna kick me off my show? Listen, we out here. Um, it's, it's, it's about time for the announcements. Um, <laughs> no. like, we're going to have to roll you're not gonna do the this announcements. To me. You're not going to throw me. You're not gonna uh, we're going to cut the mic off on this here preacher. No, nah, we're absolutely not doing that. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying, if, if, you, the mic. if you to justify saying, oh, if he was white, it would have been taken. No, it wouldn't have. Because now, not to say people aren't getting him out of here now, because they are. They're not people are definitely here. dealing with him. Um Black Twitter is definitely on his top about the comment. They're as they his, should be. They're they're as less they on his be. they're less on his top about the comment than they yeah, are about well, the well, grip. Of course, because the the grip was much more uh, uh, bothersome and concerning. Yeah. the The comment though was still wrong, and it was insensitive, and it was racial. Ultimately, and listen, we don't give white people no passes for for racial comments. We can't give each other passes for racial comments toward other people, especially other skin folk. We can't do that. Um, Does she identify as skinfolk? I don't know that a lot of people even know what skinfolk mean. But I don't think she identifies as skinfolk. Maybe she don't, but I don't think she identifies as white. I hope I she doesn't identify as I think she white. does. Yo, Ariana, yo, hit me. Hit me on the chat. Let me know if you identify as white. Um, Ariana, if you identify as white, yo, that might change some things. Really? Yeah, that might change some no. things, Ariana. So explain. <laughs> No, yo Ariana. No, I Stop might not be Ariana able. right now. I just asked you a question. I might not be able to defend you so hard. I just asked you a question. If she identifies as white, yeah, how does that change it? Uh, well, number one, the Taco Bell comment is less offensive now. Like, yo, if it's almost a compliment, like you almost stepped up. I love you, white people. I'm listening. I'm joking. No, I'm listening. Um, but but no, let's just be real here. If Ariana Grande considers herself white, um, if she does not identify as um, Hispanic, she's not going to be offended. I'm not going to be offended on her behalf. I don't do that. Like, I'm not going to be offended on her behalf if she considers herself European, you know, by, by nature. Now, somebody in her family got some Latina roots somewhere. Her last name is Grande. All right? Now, unless it was some, like, you know how strong the appropriation has to be for you to take like uh 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 what's what's the word I'm looking for? A ethnic like surname. Mm-hmm. Yo the appropriate the appropriation is level it's over nine thousand for you mm-hmm. to take a, a ethnic surname if you're white. Like <laughs> That's technically not her she's got a hyphenated surname. People gonna think I'm mad racist, but I'm not I love white people. It's just, yo, y'all, yo, I gotta get my jokes off. Like, I know somebody's gonna be like, "That's not right." I got one friend in mind in particular right now that's like, "Yo, I don't even understand why we," but yo, I gotta get my jokes out. It's just the person I am. Um, I, she apparently. <laughs> let me see if I can find this. Um. 
Can black people be racist? I don't know. She, Grande is, quote, of Italian descent. Oh. Oh, now. That might change some things. Wait a minute. Let me get into my bag. Let me get in my bag. Ariana, let me find out. Dude, I just, it's right here. Her mother. What's that, Wikipedia you Her read? mother is Joan Grande, the Brooklyn-born CEO of Holes McCain Communications, a Marines Communications Equipment Company, and Edward Charles Butera, a New Jersey-born graphic design firm owner from Boca Raton, Florida. Grande is of Italian descent, and her name was inspired by Princess Oriana from Felix the Cat the movie. Mmm. Ariana, you uh you took a you took an ethnic surname? She didn't take one. Her mama's last name is Grande. What's her mama? Her well te- her mama's name is Joan Grande. Joan, where you from, Joan? Brooklyn. Joan, you from Brooklyn, Joan? Your people from, from Brooklyn? Where your people from, Joan? All I'm saying is we now people done got in their bag. I'm about to get I'm about to get in another bag. Pe- now. People done got in her in this bag about about what he said being racially insensitive. And now okay, now it's out there. She's she's of Italian descent. Which it probably which hasn't been a secret. I think people jumped on it because it's sound because again it's it's cool to jump on a pastor because that's just the thing. It's cool to attack people of the cloth if they say something that's not, you know, scriptural. Now wait, let me let me be clear. I still think the joke is racially insensitive. Like, period, like I do. I just don't know that I'm defending Ariana super hard now. I do think he was still being racially insensitive to say, like, come on, bro. Come on. Like, what are we saying right now? If if you equate the fake Mexican spot, Taco Bell, to somebody's last name, there are certain implications. I don't know why we like acting like there's not. Did he equate the last name to a fake Mexican spot? He definitely said, I thought you was a menu item at Taco Bell. Because they because they call the big stuff and Taco Bell what? Grande. Boom. That's my point. That's not, that's not the point. Yeah, I Do wish you, people that's total that's my point. My point is the 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 the, the implication here is completely about the last name Grande tying it into the Mexican joint. Come on, bro. I'm not. I'm not rocking with you. Okay. Like you making passes. Think, you giving passes to this brother. I'm gonna give. He don't deserve. Passes. I'm giving a pass. Ariana, because, you're not getting no passes though. Ariana. But it's cool. So so it's cool then if he gets up there and says something about some you know one of the Clark sisters, you know, you know, and the way that they sing and equating it to the black experience. That's okay though, because he's speaking to because he's speaking to skin folk at that point. So it's okay to make the joke, you know, when when it's skin folk involved, but when it's non-skin folk, it's it's not cool. No, what I'm saying is, because they say because this is the problem, along with the misogyny, the, the misogyny that they said yeah. came out in this. You're now trying to, to put this this racially charged stuff on here, and they're equating this now to all preachers. Sure. And saying yeah, I don't know anything about equating it to all preachers because they're saying it happens in the black church. Well, if you're saying that, that's absurd. But but I'm but, not saying it. This is what's out there. Uh, uh, yeah, but anybody that's saying that is being absurd, and uh, honestly, it doesn't even deserve a whole lot of time. The reality is, the the instance itself is problematic. It ought to be addressed. He apologized. 
but we ought to be having a larger conversation about how uh, men interact with women, especially men who uh, have taken upon themselves the title of pastor. Like they ought to, they ought to be conscious of how they interact with women. Absolutely, and and well, they should be conscious about how they how they interact with anyone. Yeah, but listen, if you grab me around my chest area, bro, we gonna have a different conversation anyway. But I but when when I saw that, women and, deserve, and, and this is just my opinion, but I think I'm right. Women deserve as long as you uh, you state that it's your opinion. Yeah, women deserve special privilege and protection. Absolutely, and therefore, now, now are you saying that from a chauvinistic perspective? No. I'm saying it from a biblical perspective. Um, I'm saying women deserve special privilege and protection. Um, somebody might say it's chauvinistic. That I'm okay with that. That's fine. I don't really care uh, because I know I'm not saying it from a negative place. I'm saying it to say. Well, I don't. I don't say chauvinistic from a negative perspective. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, or chivalrous. This. I'm sorry, chivalrous is what I meant. Okay, not chauvinistic. Chivalrous perspective. Yes, from a chivalrous perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, Men ought to defend women. Men ought never to violate women. And when men do, other men ought to come to her aid. It's just that simple in my mind. We have to make sure, though, that we have discussions with brothers about, hey, bro, it's not okay for you to touch her that way. Don't touch women that way. Matter of fact, if you don't have to touch her, like, just don't touch her. Do you think he intentionally touched her in that manner? Do you think it was um, intentional? You mean in the chest region? Yes. It's hard for me to say. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And the reason Do I'm you think it's that, possible, and I'm not giving this man a pass. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that he thought that he had her arm? No. No, not at all. Like, he, like his fingers, like, were, were, like, adjusting and moving in her side. He knew that wasn't her arm. Um, and while and I don't know what initially his thought process was, my concern grows when she recoils, she kind of pulls back, he doesn't respond to that. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's coming from a place of, because people are using the word molest. I'm not using that word. I don't know if that came from um, him trying to pull her in for the cameras. I think that's an option. I don't know if that came from a place of control where he was trying to control her movement. That's an option. And to be honest, he may have just been getting a good feel. Subconsciously even. Because I've seen that. I've seen guys, I work in the food industry. There's no place with more sexual harassment. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> like, there's just not. Right? Absolutely. From the customers and the employees. Yeah. And I know that guys will get close to a girl and if she will let him touch her, he will use it as a license to slip his hand into the wrong spot accidentally. Right? Air quotes around accidentally. Yeah. What I'm saying is there's there's potential that subconsciously he got his arm around there and was getting his fingers in there to get comfortable. I don't know. What I do know is she definitely pulled away. He definitely pulled her back in. That's where it crossed the line for sure. And that's where we see that he felt comfortable to do that for whatever reason. One of the things that, that lingers in my mind is people don't understand this, but pastors 
sometimes, especially prominent pastors, have a thing in their mind that they have an authority over people that they don't actually have. And will sometimes try to um, implement that authority over someone. And there's a potential that that's even what was happening there. That he was pulling her back in because he felt like, it's my church, I'm, I'm in a place of authority here, I have a right to. But even that act of power... I think that's that, that muddies the waters in even saying something like that. Because that now adds a new dimension to people thinking that pastors are out here being predators. And, and, the, and, and, I, and I mean that in a literal sense. At that point, it sounds as though there's an implication of, yeah, there are pastors out here who willingly do this. Because again, as we've seen with the way the conversation plays itself in the, in the court of public opinion, people will take that and yeah. then just run with it. And, 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 I, and I understand that. And, and I don't mean to say that pastors are predators. What I'm saying is that there is a mentality, especially amongst notable pastors who feel they have a following. There, there has been a lot of instances in my personal experience where the mentality is, I have authority over the people in this building that goes beyond just um, what functions they can do, but literally goes into... I can instruct them on how they can live their life. I can instruct them on how they can move about. Like, I've seen real far-reaching levels of, of megalomania yeah. in pastors. Of course, and, we've all seen that. Yeah. And, and that's not just a black church thing. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, I have a couple of white pastors in mind, actually. Jim Jones pops into mind. Yeah. But, yeah, and I have a couple of pastors in mind right now that are white pastors that are in mega churches that I personally encountered and been like, oh, that's, oh, you want something different. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. I'm not trying to say that all pastors are that way. They're not. In fact, the majority of pastors are not that way. I'm saying literally there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a sector of men that, that behave that way. And I don't know if in that moment that wasn't what was going on with him. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying there are a lot of options. What we do know is this. When he grabbed her and she recoiled, he should have let her go. He didn't for whatever reason and for that he was wrong and let that be a lesson to other men respect what she's trying to do. My own wife, whom I love and cherish, if I grab her arm and she recoils, you gotta let her go. I immediately let her go and are you okay? Is is Are we okay? Yeah. Right? Much less a woman that I don't know. My wife is my best friend. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I don't, I'm not crossing that line with my wife. I'm not crossing that line with anybody else either. Yeah, I feel you. It's getting that time. It's getting to that time. Uh, I'm drawing to a close. I don't have any announcements. I I I respectfully accept your your explanation as far as that's concerned. Um, so, uh, congregation, a uh, little bit of news for y'all. Uh, John and I have been uh, looking at. Some some options out there, and y'all might see us a couple places we haven't been before. Uh, we got some new and exciting things coming up, uh, some show ideas, but even more so, just some ways for us to be able to touch you guys uh, in a non-threatening manner, <laughs> given the context of the conversation that we've had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but be able to, to connect with you guys and and to 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 interact with you guys in different ways. So be on the lookout for that. Um, 
I don't believe in uh, in self promotion, but I will absolutely self promote this for any of the fellas listening out there. Uh, Men's Day at my church is coming up. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you've seen the posts. Uh, I'm looking for a hundred men. I want to see a hundred men in church on September the 16th at my church. Uh, I, I'd love to stand in the pulpit that day, look out and see a hundred men looking back at me, uh, and a sign of solidarity uh, for men. Aside from those things. Uh, do you got any other announcements, brother? No, sir. Cool. Let's jump on into the benediction then. What you got? Um, I want to say this. Men that are listening, always, always, always check yourself. Check your privilege. Check your behavior around women. Respect women and their space, man. Um, women that are listening, I want to tell you that at the very least, you got two brothers here that are on your side and, and believe in protecting you. Um, and I just want you to know that. Two black men that want to protect you. Absolutely. And uh, we love you. Keep that in mind moving forward. We're glad that you're listening. Thank you for attending. Uh, my benediction... I'm stealing from uh, a friend of mine on Facebook. Uh, my friend posted this, and I think this is this kind of sparked the conversation that we're having today. So I'm going to read what she wrote verbatim, and uh, we're going to go ahead and close this thing on now. It reads as such, word of advice to men of God. In case anyone cares to hear, stay out of people's personal space and keep your hands to yourself. While I don't necessarily assume someone is automatically in the wrong, I personally don't put anybody above being physically inappropriate. Statistics say that 70% of girls and 50% of boys have been touched in an inappropriate sexual manner. Uh, the numbers are too high for me to think people in the church are exempt. Men have to be careful. Men of God have to be careful. Flee from the very appearance of wickedness. Not everyone is touchy-feely. Not everyone likes hugs. Not everyone wants your hands on them. Not everyone wants your arms around them. Side hugs may be okay, but keep your hands on top of the arms. Pay attention to the body language of the person with whom you are interacting. However, if you keep your hands to yourself, you can't go wrong. These are sad times. Put your hands to the constellations, the way you like to be a sin. You, you my sensation. You my sensation. I you know how long I've been waiting oh, You say the way I look is a sin You call me your sensation I swear these niggas is a trip sometimes yeah, yeah. Even the devil know how to use church lines yeah, I can't take it no more Walking out the door What was I waiting for? I wasn't gonna say anything. I really got the floor. On the highway, doing it my way. I don't wanna hit your shit no more. No more, no more. 
bone. Looking at my back, my best she get your to bone. Looking at my wrist, said it turn your thing to stone. Stretch limousine, sipping rose all alone. Double headed monster with a mind of his own. Cherry red chariot, excess is just my character. All black tux, tuck shoes, lavender. I never needed acceptance from all you outsiders. Had ciphers with Yeezy before his mouth wired. Before his jaw shattered, climbing up the Lord's ladder. We still speeding, running signs like they don't matter. Uh. Hater talking never made me mad. Never that, not when I'm in my favorite paper tag. Therefore, G4's at the clearport. When it come to tools, fool, I'm a pep boy. When it came to came to, I was quick to export. Never tired of balling, so it's on to the next sport. New Mercedes sedan, the Lex Sport. So many cars, DMV thought it was mail fraud. Different traps I was getting mail from. Polk County, Jacksonville, Ray Melbourne. Whole click appetites had take worms spinning Teddy Pendergrass final as my as my burns. I shed a tear before the night's over. God bless the man I put the sights over. Getting Tupac money twice over. Still a real real red coochie sweater dice roller. I'm making love to the angel of death. Catching feelings never stumble. Retracing my steps.